Today I welcome Nicholas Hammond, Headmaster at the British School of Paris. In this episode, I discuss exam reform, online learning, change management, and the importance of character education. How is actually running a British international school in the middle of one of the, the Europe's um, busiest cities worked out for you during lockdown? Well, we are, I mean, we're, we're not in the centre of the city. We're, we're tucked away in, in a bend of the Seine um, and we're, we're out of the centre. But obviously a lot of the students live in the centre of Paris. We've got staff living there as well. Um, and I mean, frankly, I mean, Paris itself, it's been slightly odd because, as you say, usually a really busy, busy city. And, you know, at the moment, anything but bars and restaurants closed. I mean, the, the idea of not being able to go out for lunch has really bitten the French psyche in a huge way. Um, and uh, and that's been something that is, uh, has been um, you know, a major change in terms of what's been going on. So, um, no, it's. Uh, it, 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 it has been it has been odd. Um, the other thing, of course, is that there aren't any tourists around because yeah. normally you know, there's, a, there's a there's a base level number of tourists around. Um, and and so does it just feel emptier? Do you just feel it empty on the streets, on transport, just going around? It just doesn't have the je ne sais quoi. No, it's uh, it, it doesn't have it doesn't have um, the same feeling about it. However, I mean, I'm, I'm a historian, so for, for me, it's quite interesting because you can go to places and there isn't any traffic. Um, you can go to places and see, well, this is probably what it looked like in so, you know, sort of the middle of the 19th century, apart from the horses. Um, and uh, and in, in that respect, it's been sort of quite, quite a treat. Um, that said, I mean, obviously, museums are shut and galleries are shut and everything else is, is, is shut too, and barbers. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, so that's a... Has been something slightly different. Um, we're, like I say, we're really fortunate because we're on sort of on the edge of the city. So you've got Paris one way, and then you've got the what the remains of the old royal hunting forests. So um, actually, that's been fantastic during lockdown, just to get out and about and have some space and, and have the opportunity to get out into into open yeah. uh, wood, open ground and woodlands and that sort of stuff. And uh, and how have, and and how have your 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 parents uh, sort of adjusted and taken to? You know the 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 fact that you know education changed. You know they went for a serious amount of online learning. Um, how how did that whole transition um, work out with your your key kind of stakeholders? It, there, there was there was a real sort of peaks and troughs. I think I think initially um, we were really lucky. I think it was the same in the UK. We had fantastic weather when our lockdown started. We started about a fortnight before you, and and people were. We're just having this, this this great life of dining on the terrace sort of thing, um, lunch with your family, and it was great. Uh, and then about a fortnight after that, I think that, you know, a bit like the summer holidays, that intimacy probably began to grace a little bit. And uh, we then you know, heard, heard a little bit more from, from certain parents. Uh, and soon after that, I think we were beginning to get the tributes of, well, how on earth do you do this every single day? Um, I, I can't get my kids to do any work, and they're, you know, we're all in the same house. So um, we were we were locked down for eight weeks, um, and then we had a staged re-entry, starting with our very youngest, and then moving up through to uh, to uh, the, the older uh, students uh, by the end by the end of the period. Um, most people, I think, because it was a limited amount of time, found the whole experience of virtual learning quite exciting. Um, there was some students for whom I think it was the best thing ever, actually, they made phenomenal progress. 
um, perhaps there were fewer distractions. And for others, it was much, much tougher. Um, yeah. They really missed their friends. They really missed the process of being in school, the support, the framework, and everything else that went around that. Um, I mean, overall, I think the, the parents reacted incredibly supportively. Um, and even when things didn't go quite right, they could see the, uh, the funny side of it. And I'm sure you know, all schools had experience of this where, yeah, you know, the, you know, somebody's cat, dog, whatever, you know, interrupted lessons, children, um, you know, all of those things that went on, um, you know, been well chronicled, but uh, they, they, people tended to see the funny side of things. I think if we'd gone into a second period of school closure, I think we'd have faced far greater and probably more profound difficult problems that, that we have to deal with. And I just think that's about, there's a whole piece around mental health and isolation and... Yeah. And I'll be talking a lot about mental health actually on these on these podcasts because it, it's something that resonates very much with me. I see it with my own family and the struggles that that, that we've all had. I mean, even with me, you know, I kind of uh, I think I put it out this week um, just around my own mental health. You know, I'm so used to this type of engagement and being out there, and I feel like I've I've had my wings clipped. Um, and then you kind of look at everyone, and you look at the teachers, the amount of effort and work they have to do. You know, they're out of their comfort zone still trying very hard to deliver an education um, to their pupils yet you know the the way that they were you know trained to do it and they wanted to do it you know face to face became you know very very difficult so if you went into another lockdown are you better equipped and have you learned lessons from the first time that you'd do differently yeah oh definitely um i mean one of the things I think that we, we started, I think, relatively tentatively in terms of what we were offering. So it was a lot of, here's a, a, a VLE, we put a load of materials on the VLE, work through that, submit it to us, and we'll feed back. And then really things, the momentum grew pretty quickly, particularly in the upper year groups to actually it's a virtual classroom and we're using different platforms. We, we concentrated particularly on Teams, and used a lot of teams uh, with, with the older year groups. Obviously, we're a through school, um, and our junior school and our senior school are roughly speaking the same size. So actually, the, the, the challenge, the real challenge of remote learning for me was, was with my, my primary colleagues, and particularly you know, the EYFS and, and Key Stage 1 group, where, quite frankly, you know, the teacher can appear on the screen, and that's great for a little while, but you've got to be so inventive and so creative to capture the attention. Um, and, and as I say, we did receive fantastic food support from parents, but it's more difficult to do that bit of education, I think, than, than the upper end. Um, you know, if we, were, if we were forced into going back to do it, as I say, I'd be very confident with our offer to um, the older students, but uh, I still think there's probably work to be done. Um, I mean, we've got I've, got, I've got four kids, and yeah, thankfully, yeah. the three eldest were all in secondary school. And they were, they were fine, actually. Um, mm. You know, there was different levels of what I'm going to call kind of online, online education. Um, but the schools are trying their best and my kids were in lessons every day. Um, and then you look at my, my eight-year-old at the time and it was very difficult. You know, he needed supportive learning. He couldn't do it. So, you know, dragged my wife into it a lot um, to be able to do it, to interpret it, to, you know, and to support it. And, and that is a massive burden because you know parents have other things to do and suddenly everything's shifting and yeah. changing but you, absolutely so your, your point earlier i think parents really had a newfound respect to teaching 
Mm. Um, and I think it's, it, it's, it's long overdue because, I mean, I can certainly teach my children. I, uh, I actually had my son in, in, in my class last year. And so uh, <laughs> finishing in, uh, finishing was probably quite good for both of us, actually. So, right? There is always a silver lining to these things. But I mean, there are things, and, and, and not to sort of trivialise the, you know, thing, but I mean, the mental health thing is profoundly important. But I do think that, the, you know, using that old Kurt Hahn phrase, is more, more in you than you know. Yeah. Certain students really discovered a level of grit, a level of determination, of independence, and they flew. And, and yeah, we've got to concentrate you know, on, on perhaps the more worrisome areas. But we've also got to celebrate those who, who managed to uh, learn something about themselves in, in, in that particular process. And so, yeah, I mean, I do hope, though, I do hope that actually as a consequence of all of this, there's a tendency in schools um, for parents to not get pushed out particularly, but not necessarily to be welcomed in. And it would be good to find you know, a really happy medium of you know, what, what do we really want parents, what role do we want them to play in supporting us as a school and in, in, in what we're doing? And I think that's a really interesting question um, that still sits out there. They've, they've got a different appreciation of what goes on in a school now, I think. What are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that knowledge? What are we going to do with that um, interest and I do think we're going to gain some teachers as a consequence I mean, we keep talking about teacher shortages and so yeah. on and so forth um there will be parents out there who thought I really enjoyed that you know I've been, I've been reading your blogs and you know there's there, there's a lot of conversation and, and talk always about exams about you know t um the exam process about league tables that you said is becoming a, a, an area to be you know more heavily gamed right now and it's a marketer-sized kind of area that schools leverage um, then you suggest perhaps mental health statistics should be issued alongside other league tables um, how, how do you kind of rationalize that and and deliver that kind of comparison schools have been influenced by lots and lots of different um, other areas so I mean, if, if we were to look at um, industry and, uh, and the commercial world with this idea that you know it's not worth doing it if you can't measure it and all this sort of stuff has been applied to education and i sometimes feel that the pendulum has swung a little bit too far one way and we've had some pretty awful stories uh, in the media about children not being allowed to take exams or being persuaded not to and so on and so forth which actually uh, i'm not entirely sure is, is the, the right way to go things we also have this cult of perfectionism and if you don't get a whole suite of grade nines, then you're a failure. Uh, and, and children's self-image being affected enormously by, by these exams. Um, you know, I also can, can see, I'm also concerned with this idea that people are, are focusing on certain key boundaries and they're putting a lot of emphasis on, well, can we turn our sevens into eights or, or, our, or our fives into six or whatever it is. And so as a consequence, what we're talking about now is we're talking about um, a process rather than a thing. And the thing I think is really important in schools is education, is learning. Um, measuring the learning is important, but when it becomes seen as this is a, an absolute badge by which the school is measured, I think we've got to be quite careful because we can, I think, as teachers, all push and push and push and demand and be, you know, um, really, um, how can I explain it? No, to be really incredibly demanding, overly demanding possibly of our pupils without realizing that there is still a space even in upper adolescence for, for having some fun. The education system needs to provide and you know, how do we go about um, ensuring there is enough space for young people to be young? 
Um, the, I think there's a huge question for British education um, around GCSE and standard grade and, 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 and those sorts of uh, 16 plus examinations. And I, I'm, I, can't, I can't tell you how heartened I am to see that debate beginning to be, sort of be had more openly. I mean, Kenneth Baker's recent intervention, the architect of GCSE says, why are we doing that? Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's got to be something um, that is, I think, in, in, uh, in some ways, a, a positive step forward. Um, yeah, that, if we take away that benchmark, um, which people are used to, to govern, govern and, and, and in, if you like, in certain inspection regimes, it's become the thing that's first looked at. Um, well, actually, if we take that away um, and we look at how does the school meet its stated values or, or something like that, then I think we're going to be into a, a much more interesting, a much more productive, a much kinder form of education, uh, which, is, which, is, which is important. We're always taught to look at Finland, aren't we? I mean, you know, Finns yeah. um, don't, don't cram children into you know, lessons um, at the age of four. They do allow them to be out and exploring and questioning and learning. Uh, in, in different ways. And, and then they're very careful about how they structure their exams as they go through and assessments as they go through um, school careers. I, I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could actually examine people when they're ready to be examined? And I, mean, I sometimes use the, the analogy, I, I didn't start driving until I was in my early 30s. Um, and I'd probably recommend you didn't take a lift from me now. <laughs> but, but, um, but the point was, I did that exam when I was ready. What we're actually saying to people is prove your competence, prove it at, at really quite an arbitrary age. I mean, isn't it bizarre? You wait until hay fever season starts and then you stick a load of young people in a room to sneeze at each other and expect them to perform well in an exam. Well, I don't think that makes a great deal of sense. We've got so many tools that people can you know, join the exam or join the process at the right time for them. Yeah. This has brought around the debate, the conversation, and, the, and we need to be pushing hard on exam reform because it, because it cannot continue the way it is. It's a Victorian model of education that gives so in, such inflexibility. We're not mm. really developing these young men and women to have the, the skills they need, employers want and the world needs because we're going, well, we're going to come here in the, in the league tables. And by the way, look how many Russell Group universities our students went off to. It's good marketing business and parents like it as almost a, like a status piece. But the reality you ask parents, they go, well, I just want my kids to be happy and confident. Yeah. Right? And if I get that, then, then great. This generation wants experiences. That's what they want. They yeah. want to feel it. Um, but they're getting caught because maybe their the, the role models or their advisors, i.e. their parents and their teachers, we're kind of a bit ill-equipped as well yeah. because we, we don't have much deep understanding or interest because we're all still um under this this element of content shock we're disrupted by technology ourselves and so we're not even allowing ourselves to help them and suggest it we'd rather just stick with status quo and go all right well it's i i, I don't want to stick my head above the parapet we'll just but, but yeah well, but the fact is it, it, it'll be it'll be a generational thing it's very difficult to shift that that sort of thinking i mean i you know i was lucky to go to um, a university which has a big global you know, name and pull and, and undoubtedly it will have helped me career-wise. Um, you know, there are plenty of other people out there who are perfectly, perfectly skilled, probably more skilled at doing the job that I'm currently doing, but maybe that helped. I think, I do think that, that there may be as different 
paths in employment begin to open up that we'll see different we'll see different things things happening and i and, and i do think that the globalization of the higher ed market is also something that's really really to be embraced and to to, to be welcomed i mean the uh, European universities are, are offering some fantastic courses. There's still the States and, and Canada and, and various other places, but it's, it's the beginnings to look at well, what else is out there. And there's some really inventive courses um, outside the ordering, but, but it does take a leap in the dark. It does take a, a step into the unknown. People do have to say, well, you know, I, I, I firmly believe this is the right thing to do. Um, and backing, a child who's making, you know, and they are a child at 18, and a young person who is making a you know, possibly life-changing decision, uh, certainly uh, financially, uh, a huge connect commitment to, to, to do something that may or may not work. I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch i want to talk about your week your blog so you, you um blog weekly yeah. why did you start doing that and is it important do you think for school leaders to express their views more okay well i mean in, in terms of why why did i start it started really um, because uh, the, we're a highly diverse community um, in, in the school. So put that into perspective, we're about 30% British um, and about 45% of the school population speak English as a first language. And it, after a sort of year or so of being here, it became fairly clear to me that um, we had parents who were joining in with British education, but there were bits of British education that they didn't really understand why we were doing it. They were quite happy that it was being done. So, for example, we have a big service program and a, and a charity program. So we, I, I got a few questions. Well, why are, why are you doing this? What's, what's this all about? Well, you know, does this have to be, is this really meant to be in school? Or you know, we were talking about sport and recreational sport, the importance of you know, representative and recreational sport, and they're both important and these sorts of things. So, so initially, it started off as a bit of a primer, really, for parents to say, when, when we did something, that I suddenly went, well, hang on, they're, they're going to find this really weird, explaining what it was. So, you know, be it, be it what we've been talking about in assembly or sports day or remembrance or, or why are we doing that for Christmas and not the other, um, it, it became... It became a sort of way of communicating some of the things that were important to the to the school to its wider community. Um, surprisingly, the, the options for international families moving around in, 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 in or moving into Paris and France in, in, in general are relatively limited. So you could end up, possibly, at a school where, where you've not had experience of this particular system, but it's it's the right one for you location, convenience, you know, or, or, or simply somebody's told you that that's, that's where you ought to look. And do you look forward to um, writing these, these, these blogs? I mean, do you, do you have a plan to go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start writing these the next few weeks, or does something come up and you go, you know, that, that, that's what I'm going to talk about this week? Now generally, generally, you know, sometimes it, well, it moved on from that to be, yeah, sometimes it's something in the news, it's a major topic of conversation in the school, it's something that's happened around us in the local community. It's also a great opportunity to point out things that are, you know, 
where people have done something really outstanding. I mean, it's a great place to celebrate things that, that are important to this community. And, uh, and, and again, we've got a number of families who maybe aren't proficient in French. And so this might be the only English language document that plops into the inbox or, you know, uh, you know from, from France, if you like, from, from the locality. So it's, it's, again, it's a bit of a touchstone to way that people can, can communicate. I do think uh, as well, it's, you know, I, you know, as I said, we've got a junior school, senior school. I can't be on both sites all the time. Uh, and it's a way of me talking to the parents and saying, this is what we're up to. This is what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. And if you're hearing alarming things from the UK, and we've had, obviously, you know, various political events uh, in the, the, the recent past, particularly in relation to the UK and Europe, to say, actually, well, this is where we stand. This is what it means for us. And, and this is where... You know, these are the things that we, we hopefully can provide some reassurance. Um, periodically, you know, it's great just to go off on one. Yeah. And, you, you know, ha have an opinion. You know, if you're passionate about something, it's about having a voice. And, you know, it's not about saying the right thing always at the right time. Sometimes you want to have a, as you say, you want to get on your soapbox. You've got you want to voice something and you want to, you know, bring that debate and conversation, which I think is a really great trait. I, I wish more heads did it. Um, I think they get nervous about thinking too too much from a PR or marketing. Do, are they saying the right things? Rather mm. than going, this is the authentic me, that I believe in education as a holistic approach, um, ideal. This is what I'm now going to talk about. I, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. I agree with this. These are my thoughts. Um, because that, that, that lends itself to um, a very different leadership kind of um, ideal, which... Mm. I think most independent schools lack, particularly in the UK, because they don't want to be, you know, necessarily opinionated. I think, I mean, look, I, I mean, I've got, I've got the, the benefit of not being in a, in a, in a highly competitive, I mean, it's a competitive market in terms of pupils uh, and in terms of attracting pupils, but it's very different to the UK situation. And so as a consequence, I probably have a greater degree of freedom or license to say some of these things. And it falls under the banner of I'm explaining what's going on uh, and I'm explaining what I think. Um, I mean, I, you know, having been in the UK uh, and been ahead in the UK, um, my you know, end of term letter or half term letter or whatever it was, was, was different to this. I think that I was still putting information out and I was still talking to people about certain things which I felt very strongly about. But in terms of the blogging, I think it's given, given a different channel. And frankly, um, you know, people could take it or leave it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm heartened when parents do say they've read it, obviously, because uh, it takes a bit of time. But, um, but I generally do it on a week by week basis in reaction to what we see around us. And some of them, I'm afraid, are a bit, you know, yeah, I mean, a bit sort of thought for the day-ish. And I looked out the window and wasn't it lovely? And, uh, and, and you know, maybe I have less merit than, than others where something else is being seen. But I do think there's a gratitude piece as well. I mean, we're an incredibly fortunate community. Yeah. And that sounds complacent. Yeah. Really. But, well, it's, but it's your you, lens. You know, you I, I, I talk about the head's lens all the time. You know, they, they, they want to, and, you know, your community want to hear from you. And it doesn't always have to be about kind of the academic and the rigor and all these things. They want the, they want the, the, the Mr. Nick Hammond, right? They want to kind of know who you are. Um, yeah. I want to um, finish about asking about teacher recruitment. Um, and how has that been impacted? And do you see that shifting? A, two points. One with um, COVID uh, and the second thing with Brexit. 
Well, the first one, I mean, I, I, I think we've alluded to it before, I would like, I'd hope that we're seeing you know, a wider and wider field of people applying as a consequence of, of, of Brexit and thinking about what's important and the, uh, the path that they would want to take. So that, that, that's one thing. In terms of you know, how, how will that affect um, recruitment, I don't know how much it'll affect recruitment. I do think that there will be an impact amongst some people who just think, I, I've, you know, you know I've, I've lived through various different um, periods in my teaching life and you know I, I, I it is it's a demanding job and if it isn't demanding you're probably not doing it correctly and I know that's probably an incorrect thing to say but it is a demanding job investing in young people's lives is, is hugely rewarding but it is incredibly demanding and, and you know, I wouldn't blame anybody at this point to say well you know I, I, I'm going to go and do something else for a little while recharge my my batteries and come back to it or, or maybe um, this is the time that I would I would step away from it. Um, the in terms of in terms of recruiting people, I say yeah, I, I hope people have been inspired, um, just as I hope they've been inspired by by nursing and by uh, all of the other um, you know, you know sort of medical uh, fields uh, you know, that, that that have that have come to the fore and we've come to appreciate all the more. Um, you know, scientific researchers, if you know, this, this the, the speed with which the vaccine appears to have been. Uh, invented is just something that I'm in awe of. I just think it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. So yeah, maybe maybe there will be there will be some things. The Brexit thing, you know, it'll all depend on exactly what is signed at the end of it. I mean, the vast majority of uh, our current staff will have the equivalent of settled status, um, and that's a relatively easy process. The French government's made that very straightforward. If you're currently resident in France. Moving on, if we if Britain goes out with a, with no deal and, and becomes a third country. Um, then there are a certain number of administrative hurdles that will just slow the process up. Um, shouldn't make it much more difficult, but it will make it slower. Yeah. Um, and that might be, that might narrow the field of, of candidates that are available to us. Um, I mean, obviously, European passports are still, you know, they, they could still be, will still be fine. Maybe we'll see a, a slight internationalization of our. Our school staff so things could yeah it, it's more administrative than anything else i would hope that, that british teachers still feel that, a, that a, a spell in france would be something that would be enjoyable and uh, and exciting uh, rather than uh, just just going to be a real hassle agree um, I, I agree and it's it's that allure of going to an incredibly rich cultural um city and you know being so close to the heart of paris I mean, yeah, it's always going to have that attraction, you know, whether or not you've got a COVID lockdown and you've got a pandemic going, I think there's always going to be that romance of going, you know, I'm, I'm working um, for the British School of Paris. So um, yeah. that, that will always hold you in good stead. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.